All right. Good morning. I'm glad to be with everybody here again. I, we're um, kind of looking at what it means to actually have discipline and self-control and diligence in our life. And uh, so I'm excited to, to start this morning with you. I, I feel oftentimes we, we sometimes make things so simple that they're not effective anymore. Like they, they lose the nuance. And I think sometimes often like we, we receive a, a gospel that's so, um, like I understand the gospel simple, but I also know that you need to critically think for yourself of what this word says. And it's really easy to receive a teaching. It's not as easy to get in here yourself and really do the work and then see what some of these things say. Like I, I was talking to somebody else the other day and I said, did you ever read these parables? They are off, they're the last thing that you think that Jesus would say. Like if you're reading a parable, this is what you'd expect the parable to say. So there's like these, these two groups of people and one group accepted Jesus Christ into their heart and the other group didn't. And in the end, that group went to hell and the other one went to heaven. The end of the parable, the, the parable doesn't exist, right? But that's, that's our theology that we have. And, and I'm not saying that that's like, wrong theology, what I'm saying is the things he says in here, do you know what actually keeps people out of heaven in the parables? Do you know one of them is laziness? But nobody has room for that in their theology. He calls the one servant, you wicked and lazy servant. But anyway, <laughs> I want to read this other parable to you. Because like, how many of you, everybody knows that God loves you, Right? And that you're, you can't work or put forth so much effort to make God love you more. Like God loves you, but your work and effort dictate how much God trusts you. Do you guys see the nuanced difference? Now, like some people just want to like just, you know, make it more simpler than that. But listen to me. And see, this, this sort of stuff breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for myself because, you know, have I, have I been not as diligent as I could have been in my life thus far, therefore holding back the hand of the Lord and doing more in my life that he wanted to do and me doing more on the earth that he wanted me to do. Does that make sense? I'm going to read this parable to you. It says, and he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my, in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second son and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Isn't that an interesting par parable? Now, like our theology would snap back, snap back at Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, it's not about works. And, and it like, but, but in this it is. And, you, and, and I know like our theology says, well, it's not about, you're not saved by your works. But if you don't have any works, I do doubt you're saved. Because faith without works is, right? And this is what freaks me out. This isn't in my notes, by the way. What freaks me out is, do you know who's in trouble in parables? People who are unprepared, who are leaning on their position. They say, because I'm in this position, I'm saved. Because I'm a servant of the Lord, I'm saved. Because I'm one of, one of the 10 virgins, I'm, I'm saved. Because I'm this or because of that, because of this position, I don't have to prepare to meet the Lord. And it's like, no, no, no. Like there's maybe 
There's 42 to 38 parables, depending on if you want to count as one-liners of parables. 19 of his parables deal with judgment. And all of those parables deal with people doing something or not doing something. But it's never some were saved and some were not saved because they said something one day in front of people. And I'm not saying baptism is, is important. I'm not saying that it's not like deciding the, the moment that you decided to follow Jesus is very important. What I'm saying is there's a little bit nuance in these parables than, than we allow to be in our theology. Does that make sense? So Adam, are you saying that you're saved by your works? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is your works are shouting to Jesus what you believe. Make sense? Okay. And I promised you, I, like, I'm, I'm very concerned that your life would shout to him, your Lord. Your Lord over my life. Do you guys want that? I do too. So which of the two did the will of his father? Well, they said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that, listen to this, that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of heaven before you. And what he's saying here is, is one group of people have it right, have the slick theology, say all the right thing. The other group don't say the right thing, don't look the right way, but they're doing the will of the father and they're going to enter in before them. Now, our simplistic theology would say, well, everybody just gets in. Yeah, but there's, there's more than just getting in. There's rewards. There's a hierarchy. There's authority. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So there's at least a line. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't want to just, just have the Lord say one day, nah, you did all right. I want, him to, I want him to be excited about my life. I don't want him to be excited to give me the rewards he wants to give me. And I want him to be excited to put me in that place, whatever that place is in the kingdom. I, I, wanna, I want him to be excited to put me there. Not me kind of gnashing my teeth a little bit, regretting my life, saying I wish I would have done a better job. Right? Do you guys think about this stuff? I do. So I want to talk to you guys today about being a slugger and what the Bible says. Now, if you do this, and this is people who are unprepared, who are dependent upon their position, this is what they do. They read the Bible in a way to make sure that they're not the lazy person, but they are the diligent person, right? So I'm going to read to you parables about lazy people today. And, and then like in your mind, you'll be like, well, I know a lazy person, Sue next door. Oh my goodness. She doesn't get up till two. You know, this isn't about Sue. This is about you. Does that make sense? So it's it, like, like when I read the parables about being a sluggard, I have, to, I have to put myself in the sluggard position to get anything out of the parable. So as I'm reading these, say, now, uh, so the first one, I'm just going to read it to you. It says, go to the ant, you lazy one. Observe its ways and be wise. Which having no chief, Officer or ruler, which is interesting because we do. Prepares its food in the summer and gathers its provision in the harvest. Let me just ask you guys this. The, the, the first thing that a slugger does is he doesn't prepare. There's no to-do list on the day. They just kind of let the day happen to them instead of them happening to the day. You guys following me? 
And when things are going easy, they take it easy instead of advancing like the ant. The ant advances and prepares for winter in the spring. Do you do the same thing? When things are going well, do you, do you kick back and say, well, things are going pretty well. I kind of like this. Or do you say, wow, now's the time to prepare for the future? Now listen to this. The lazy one does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. There's prep work that needs to be done for the next season in your life. Do you understand what that prep work is? Do you get busy doing it? Or do you just waste the time away? Poor is one who works with a lazy hand, but the hand of the diligent make rich. Isn't that good news? Like according to this parable, um, who's in charge of your finances? You are. Isn't that good? But this is what we never do and we never say this to somebody. Like somebody will say, man, the, the, the enemy's really been just hammering my finances. And it's like, well, first off, before we go putting the devil on your finances, do you work with a diligent hand? Are we allowed to say that? I'm going to say it again. Thank you, Jared. Do you work with a diligent hand? And, and then if, I, if you wouldn't mind me asking, and, and what does that diligent hand look like? Do you know, I, I just heard this testimony. I'll, I'll say it um, uh, again. I said it in the first service. There's a person who just began like tithing and kind of figuring that out. And uh, they were in a, a pinch financially and they owed a bill, uh, a gas bill. And when they called up the gas company, and, and they were a little bit nervous. Guess what the gas company said? Oh, you have $200 worth of credits. Like, what are you worried about? No, you don't have a bill. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It is awesome. And so it's like, but that person began tithing, and they were also diligently seeking work. Do you know what I mean? God's not going to, to support a lifestyle that's not diligent. He's not coming to bless you so that you can be lazier. Does that make sense? Yep. Last point on no preparation. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps in a harvest is a son who acts shamefully. And see, this is what we do in this country. It's like, well, my time is my time. It's not your time anymore. It, the Lord has purchased your life. Let's roll, right? But if you're gonna do that, that thing, well, it's my time. It's, 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 I get to do what I wanna do. And I, how I live doesn't really matter. I'm saved. And it's, no, man, you are leaning on position. That's what they did in the parables. Don't do that. Don't say, because I'm this, I don't have to do that. Because you're that, you do that. Because your identity is in him, you work with a diligent hand. Well, I'm just, you know, I don't need to be blessed. There's people that need to be blessed by you. Get to work. Get to work doing it, whatever it is. How long will you lie down? These, this is for people who waste time. When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come in like a drifter and your need like an armed man. That is a promise in scripture. Do you, did, did they have um, 
uh, back in this day, did, do you guys know what they did for fun? They went to festivals, right? Do you know what the other thing they did for fun was? They slept. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have televisions. They didn't have anything. And it's like, if there was no festival and you had some free time and you just wanted to burn it, you, you went back to bed. That was your entertainment. And there's, a, there's a, a promise in here that says, and need will come upon you like an armed man. Do you know what happens when a man and an armed man fight? The armed man wins, right? Again, with wasting time, I passed by the field of a lazy one and by the vineyard of a person lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with weeds. Its surface was covered with weeds and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come like a drifter and your need like an armed man. The one who works his land will have plenty of bread, but the one who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Is what you're pursuing going to add to your life good, goodness? Or is what you're doing wasting time? You can't afford to waste time. Do you guys remember COVID? <laughs> Do you guys remember that thing? Like, that thing swept businesses. And if you're in this room, like, don't take this as any criticism. If your business got swept, yikes, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think we could have prepared for that or that we could have known that. And there were some businesses that did well because people were at home and, you know, some of that stuff went up. But, but listen to me. In the time when things are going well, you should be preparing for things to go bad. And you should be building something bigger than the next thing that's going to come. And that's true personally. Like, guess what? Everybody in this room has got some tribulation. It's coming down the pike. It's a promise. And you need to build your life in such a way that you're going to overcome it instead of it overcome you. Does that make sense? So let me say, let me just say this um, with my wife is here, so I can't lie. Um, like for years, for years, I would say that I was, I, I was excellent and diligent at tolerating messes. You know what I mean? Like I, I, can, I, could, um, I could, I just tolerate it better than most people, okay? And I would say things like this, well, I'm just creative. I'm just kind of this creative type and, you know, I can live in chaos and that's not cool. That's, that's not a gift from the Lord. And um, recently, since I decided I was a diligent person, Every night before I go to bed, one of the things I have to do is put things away. I put everything back in its proper place. Now, I wish I could tell you I've been doing that for 10 years. I've been doing it for about two months, right? <laughs> My wife thoroughly enjoys it. She likes it. And it's, it's not even an option not to do it now. It's, it's what a diligent man would do. And that's, that's who I am now in Christ. And I've realized that. And there's more I'm going to realize about what diligent looks like in my life. And I'm a diligent man who has self-control, who has every promise that pertains to life and godliness. So the moment that I figure something out, it's who I am. Does that make sense? And so it's not like, well, I don't feel like it. It's, it's tough. My, that's my identity. I'm a diligent person that does diligent things. Not I'm trying hard not to be a lazy person. You're not a lazy person. You have everything, every promise pertaining to life and godliness has been given in you. It's inside of you. You have a, you have the, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So as long as you got that spirit thing going, you're going to have self-control. You can say yes to doing really hard things all the time. 
and you can bear all things and endure all things. That's who you are in Christ. And the moment that you believe that, you begin to manifest it. And it's no longer an option of whether or not you want to pick up after yourself. It has to happen because that's who you are. Does that make sense? Listen to this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And this, this is something else that we don't ever say to somebody. Like God will give us a desire on our heart, but then we don't put forth any effort towards it. And then we get depressed. Some of our depression is because we had a desire, but we didn't put forth the effort we needed to. And had God had called us to do something and we kind of blew it. Does that make sense? And so we need to be sure that if we have a desire that you put forth the effort to get to it, whatever that might look like. A lazy person does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a person is diligence. Your diligence is what? A precious possession. Precious. Important. And you guard it. You protect it. If you're manifesting anything that doesn't look like diligence, you kill it. And you immediately fold it over into what a diligent person would do because that's who you are. The desire of the lazy one puts him to death for his hands refuse to work. Man, that's a pretty strong statement. The desire, the desire of the lazy one puts him to death. Now, there are certain desires that aren't good to have. Um, and I'm not saying that people can't retire. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to not retire. What I'm saying is sometimes people retire onto nothing and then they die because their life doesn't have purpose anymore. You know, you want to make sure that, that your life has purpose and that you're manifesting who he is on the earth and that that's your main goal and that you are a diligent person even after you retire, even after whatever, but you continue to work hard because he's the one who you're working for. This one, the way of the lazy one is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. I want to say this to you. If you keep bumping into the same problems, it could be self-afflicted. If you keep running into the same problems, it could be self-afflicted and you need to get help. You need to have somebody come in and help you see what it is. Like if you're always like in debt, you need help right? Well, this crazy world keeps putting me in debt. No, there, there's certain things that you've allowed and you can't see that are causing you to continually be in debt. There's a place to get out of that. Amen? If there's a, um, uh, uh, an, an issue in just any part of your life, your physical body or, or um, something else, like you, you, it's okay to get help. It's okay to ask somebody, hey, I'm blind to some of my own stuff here. According to the word of God, it talks about having a log in my own eye. I need somebody to come along and help me get this log out and show me where it is that I keep messing up because I keep being afflicted with the same thing. Now listen to this. I don't, man, I can be so guilty of this. The lazy one... Um, the, the, the subject here is, um, I, I'm not guilty of, of putting my hand in my dish and never bringing it back to my mouth. I'm very good at that. It's, it says here, the lazy one buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. The person starts, but does not finish. You have something, you get excited on the front end, but you can't finish on the back end. That's not what a diligent person does. The diligent person starts something and finishes something. So if it's worth starting, it's worth finishing. Even if you've lost the passion behind it, it's so good to finish it. Do you guys have kids that are involved in sports and they start it? 
Do you let them quit mid-season because they don't feel like it anymore? No, because that's not what a diligent person does. Diligent person finishes what they started. You don't want to develop that habit in your kids, right? You start something, you finish it. The lazy one says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the streets. And that's in response to, hey, why aren't you working? Because there's a lion in the street. Uh, a, a lazy person has excuses. A diligent person does not have any excuses for why they can't or won't or do because a diligent person can do it, right? And there's no excuses. To the degree that we're not manifesting who we could be, there's an excuse there. Now, guys, whether it's your personality, whether it's your kids, whether it's your job, whether it's, um, you know, I'm not a morning person. Do you guys ever say that? It's like, you're saying I'm not a morning person. I know it's because you're up till one. <laughs> you don't, do you guys get it? Well, like Jesus was a morning person, right? Everybody back in those days, when the sun came up, they got up, right? So it's like, when the sun went down, they went to bed because they couldn't see. So there's a, a place, there were candles and stuff, but there's a place where like you understand the excuses you have are not cool. And they're actually keeping you from doing the work of God, keeping you from becoming the person you were meant to become, right? I used to have an excuse when my kids were young that I couldn't do certain things because of their ages. That is such a lame excuse. It's not okay. Even if you do have something going on that's, that's, that's hard, and you can only operate at 80%, then you operate at 100% of 80%, right? But there's no excuses in the kingdom. And to the degree that we're not manifesting who we actually are, there's an excuse that's standing in the way. I've had um, uh, an excuse. I used to say, well, I'm just a disorganized person. That's not true. That's not true whatsoever. The fact of the matter is, is I can be very organized. And I, I can be very diligent. It just, but if you have this other thing that is an excuse that you're leaning on, it'll keep you from the thing that you're called to be. Amen? The soul of the lazy one craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made prosperous. Let me just say this. We accept lack in our life. Okay. Um, there's like, hopefully not. We tend to accept lack in our life. If there's an area in your life that's lacking, you don't have to accept it. You can do something about it. I often talk about this. Like, uh, how many of you guys know that we often share, um, like I asked Joe, how many people were healed in the first service? He said five out of seven, five were healed. Awesome. But two weren't. Okay. And if I'm a part of the two, um, I don't know what your guys' theology is on healing. That means that whatever happened back there, the, the, the faith of the people praying maybe couldn't overcome the obstacle that was in front of them. You don't have to accept no as the answer. This isn't the only place you can receive prayer. There's other places. There's conferences. There's other churches. Like, Don't accept something that the Bible says you can have for something that hasn't manifested yet. If you're not prosperous, don't accept poverty. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not, you don't have to do that. But what ends up happening is we end up accepting what we're used to, and it's fine, and it's not quite the promise of God, but it's enough. It's like, don't do that, because it could get worse.
Somebody asked, actually came to me one time and said, what would you do if um, one of your children were sick and they weren't getting healed? I'd say, well, the first thing I would do is um, go to the next church that has a, a healing ministry. And what if they didn't get healed there? I'd, then I'd make my way down the Life Center. Well, what if they didn't get healed at Life Center? Well, I'd probably make my way out to Bethel, you know? But I, I would just wouldn't accept no as the answer. I would keep moving. I'd call everybody in my, my cell phone that I know that has a, a healing gift on their life and said, I will do whatever it takes. I'll pay for your gas. I'll get you dinner. Just can you come pray for my son or my daughter? But I just, I just wouldn't accept no as the answer. Like, nope, no to no, right? I, I would push until I saw it manifest. And somewhere it may be even in that flight across all those states, my son would be healed because my faith rose to the position. Why? Because I was doing what a faithful person would do. All of a sudden, my faith finally reached the height to overtake what the problem was. Does that make sense? All day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back. I love that verse. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy hand will be put to forced labor. Were you meant to rule or were you meant to be put to forced labor? You're meant to rule. Why? Because you're diligent people who have self-control, a spirit of self-control. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. I think sometimes the reason I have it there with accept slack is, is um, sometimes anxiety can grow around the lack that we have. But a good word makes it glad. Like we, we got to put ourselves in an environment where we're going to hear a better word than what we've been hearing. You know? Finally, the last thing, and somebody pointed out first service, that was eight things, not seven. This is bonus. And um, a lazy one is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who can give a discreet answer. Um, someone who's lazy doesn't see themselves like that. Someone who's lazy has such blindness in, uh, over their eyes that they, they claim that they can see, but meanwhile, they're living a blind life. All the, the lead numbers or lag numbers that would point to laziness, they're blind to and say they don't count. You know, and... They're, they're filled with excuses for why certain things aren't in their life and why they can't be. And it's like, man, you know, every, everybody in this room on all cylinders would look like something. And Christ is calling you to be on all cylinders for him and for the sake of this world and what he wants to do. And until we're being diligent with what we have, we can cry out for more all we want. The Lord would never do that to us. He loves us too much to give us more than we can handle. And if we can't handle what we have now, why on earth would he give us more? A good father wouldn't do that. But if we can all manage what we have and not just manage it, but steward it well and be diligent and get it done, man, I, I can't imagine what God wants to do in your life and in York and corporately in this church. Let me, can I share this with you? I have this, um, this reoccurring thought. Now, this isn't me starting this. This is just me sharing this, Okay. I have this thought, like, so, like, knowing love, becoming love. That's our vision statement here, right? And I was trying to think, what's the best way that we could love our community? And you know what I thought the best way that we could love our community is? Is actually um, build young leaders. 
And well, why, why that? Well, oftentimes there's uh, being proactive and reactive. And sometimes like because of a lack of like diligent Christian leaders in the community, there's a lot of problems. And then the church comes along and says, okay, we're going to try to help the community out with these problems. And it's like, which we should do. But like, what if we began to build um, a place where young people can come and learn how to lead so that they can be at the ones at the table making the decisions so those problems don't exist anymore? Wouldn't that be cool? I can't think of a better way to love our community. And then I was also thinking as society continues, um, they keep serving up their version of truth and putting it in front of our kids. And our kids aren't being taught to, to have critical thinking skills. They're not being taught about rhetoric and what it means to actually be a leader, to pro like problem solve, to, to be able to think for themselves, to actually find facts instead of just listening to rumors. And I said, well, what, what if we actually were able to build a, like almost like a... Um, a leadership university for young uh, children and teens where they can learn what it actually means to lead and actually be able to think for themselves and be at the table where they need to be at the table so that the whole community would benefit. That's just a thought I have. And it just won't leave me alone. It's just like there, you know? And can I say something about public and private school without anybody throwing anything at me? Would that be okay? Because some people are very passionate about homeschooling. Some people are very passionate. Anyway. It's not removing your kids from the environment isn't enough. You're never going to be able to remove your kids from the world. They're going to turn 18 eventually, right? I'm not saying I'm for public school. I'm not saying I'm for homeschooling. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that we need to teach children how to think for themselves. Regardless if they're in public school, regardless if they're home taught, it doesn't matter. You have to teach kids to think for themselves so that when the world gives them these crazy ideas, and it's getting crazier, I don't know if you noticed that, they can think for themselves and say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. That won't end well for you. But as far as me, I think for myself, I know what's right, and I'm going to choose right. You can choose that if you want. I'm not going to. I actually think for myself. Thank you. Wouldn't that be nice? But they need a place where they're like taught to critically think. Like even, even this, um, um, like uh, the news media and like teaching them how to find like, like real sources of like real information, not rumors, you know, because that's, this thing isn't going away. They're, they're gonna, it's going to be here for a while. The news, it's going to be around. And, um, and, and we need to teach them to be able to think for themselves and actually be able to find out what real facts are and even how to find real facts. Because if, if they don't teach, they're not going to teach them that in school. And I don't know if, if, if even, I don't know what homeschooling is like. I was never home taught, but I don't know if that's like a part of the curriculum in homeschooling. I just don't know. But we, we have an opportunity here to really raise up leaders and to really invest in kids that could really end up changing things in our communities. And so that instead of dealing with being reactive to the problems, we're so proactive on the front end that we've prepared the community to actually have the values of Christ in it because of the way that we raise those kids. Wouldn't that be cool? Would you guys all stand with me? Would you, I wanted to share this with you guys. And I didn't just forget it. And Matt didn't just remind me. No, he did. Is, um, there's a, there's a, uh, a place to, to sign up to volunteer that's out there. And I just wanted to say this to everybody that's new and maybe you just started coming. Um, 
you're designed to lay down your life. And if you don't figure out how to do it at this church, you won't be at this church very long. You'll move on to the next church. And I, this is, this is kind of like, I haven't had to decide to attend a new church in quite a while. I've been here for a while. But if you're going to church, you believe the Holy Spirit is there and you believe the teaching is true and not false, right? And you want to make this your home church. The next step you do is begin to lay down your life corporately with everybody else. And that's called volunteering. Here at this church, we have a ton of volunteers. We volunteer once a month. Um, we're, we've got a volunteer uh, booth set out there where the television is in the lobby. Someone's doing signups. And I want to encourage you because you might really love this church, but if you don't start to lay down your life, you're on your way out. Does anybody need to learn that anymore? Like, it's just true. Like, you, you could love this church. You could love the teaching. You, you could love the worship. You could love everything about it. But if you don't figure out how to lay down your life, you're on your way out. And that's just true. And um, so out there, we have a sign up for growing up to worship. Even if kids aren't your thing and you want to sign up for something else, just fill out a form and just say, hey, I want to help out in the tech. Or I'm interested in, in being a greeter or helping out in the parking lot or whatever it is. But man, you are called to lay down your life. Um, Jesus did not come to be served, but came to serve, correct? Are, are, you coming for, are you coming here to be served or are you going to serve? It's a mandate from your Lord to serve. And it's only a matter of time before you're gone if you don't figure out how to do it. And that's just me being real and, and just telling you, um, if you haven't been able to find a church, that's probably why. Because if you, if you don't lay down your life, you never become a part. Amen? Amen. Repeat after me. I am diligent. I, am diligent. I have self-control. Self that's your identity. You have those things because of the verses that I read to you. You have a sound mind. You've been given a spirit of a sound mind. That means you can think clearly. Amen? And, and what, what your past has said about you has nothing to do with who you are right now at this point. Every single person in this room is about to enter the most diligent season of your life. You're going to do things that you didn't realize you could do. You're going to do, do more than you've ever done. And you're going to do it with such quality because you're going to realize that you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for him. Amen. Amen. Father, I, I pray that excuses would leave this room. If there's excuses that come out of our mouth, set an alarm in our heart to never say them again. We never want to sell ourselves short of what we're capable of doing in you. So Holy Spirit, no more excuses. Remove them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.